Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. You're listening to the D.C. Public Library on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Olubumi Bakari. This is our All Things Local series where we highlight the local history, culture, communities, and personages who have made an impact on Washington, D.C. Uh, my guest today is Linda Critchlow-White. Linda is the president of the James Dent Walker District of Columbia chapter of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society. So it's Black History Month, and what better way to celebrate Black history than to find out about your roots and where you are from. Linda, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Alou, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Before we uh, discuss your organization, I want to talk a little bit about your background. So you are a native Washingtonian. Born and raised, yes. Yes. So many. Are you also? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of us, right? Fifth generation. No, not really. A lot of my guests, Mm -hmm. um, they're Washingtonians, but maybe they just got here maybe 40, 30 years ago. No shade, but, you know, us native Washingtonians. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and and some of them are from Baltimore, you know. Um, In any case, um, so tell me a little bit about where you grew up. In Washington. So I grew up in the Petworth neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, on Randolph Street. Uh, when I was born, my parents actually lived on 4th Street Northwest, just a few blocks down from Howard University. Mm-hmm. And my mother was actually born in that same house in 1919. Mm-hmm. And then she actually, it's, we'll talk about this later, she wrote a narrative of the family history. Mm-hmm. And in her narrative, she tells of how she was born in that house on 4th Street, but then when she was only six years old, her mother died, mm. and her father sent her to Duquesne, Pennsylvania, to live with one of his sisters mm-hmm. who was there with her husband. And so on. all of them were working in the steel mill in the 1920s. But as it turned out, even though most of the people in her family didn't have much formal education, she says there was a neighbor who had attended Howard University mm-hmm. and told her about... Howard and how she could go back to Washington and since her father lived so close because her father had stayed in Washington Mm -hmm. since he lived so close to Howard she could live there and go Mm -hmm. to school and then she talks of walking up the hill Mm -hmm. (laughs) to Howard and of course for those people in the audience who know Howard and this um, the alma mater talks about on Hilltop High Mm -hmm. so every day my mother walked up the hill to go to school. Yes, and, and and that's another link to a lot of the guests that I've talked to is, you know, Howard University. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are the co-author of a book entitled Back There Then. Um, share with our listeners what your book is about. So basically the book is a historical genealogical memoir. And when my mother was turning 90 back in 2009 
my husband and I and other family members were looking through her, what we knew was a vast collection of memorabilia, photos, um, letters, and so on. And we were looking for pictures to use, right, we were looking for pictures to use in a PowerPoint presentation for her birthday. And then I came across this manuscript that she had written about the family, Mm -hmm. unbeknownst to me. And I knew my mother would tell different little stories from time to time, but I had no idea she was really writing something. So when I saw it, I said, wow, this is too good to be in somebody's attic or basement. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, I was working as a school library media specialist in Montgomery County Schools, and I had some student media assistants, as they call them, and they helped me scan my mother's original document and in turn, but subsequently, I edited it some. Also, I had other people to help me edit it. I added page numbers. In uh, my mother's manuscript, she had some Xerox copies of some photos, but I suspected that she also had the originals of those photos. So after some searching, um, we found most of the photos and scanned them properly, and then... I was reading, one day I was reading a magazine that was the publication of the Historical Society of Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm -hmm. That's actually where some of the ancestors are from. And there was a little ad said, let us write your next book. (laughs) Or not, not write, let us publish your next book. And so I sent an email to the publisher And then the very next day, I had a response saying, yes, we'd be glad to publish your book. And when she responded, she even sent me some pictures of one of my ancestors. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because in her office, she has all kinds of documents, photographs, and memorabilia about Lynchburg history. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you have some ties to um, the Civil War. (laughs) Um, It's in in your book. Yes. Um, So share a little bit about that. Sure. So actually, indirectly or directly, we all have some connections to the Civil War Mm -hmm. and other events in history. And this is one of the good things about genealogy. Mm -hmm. We start to look at that so-called finite piece of history, you know, Mm -hmm. how our families lived, what they did. Um, Not everyone has documented their ancestors, whether we're talking about World War II, World War I, the Civil War, anything else. But anyway, as far as my ancestors... So I had the responsibility of cleaning out the house of an elderly relative in 2006. Mm -hmm. And that relative, she actually was still living at the time, but she got to the point where she could no longer take care of herself. Her name was Connie. I'll call her Cousin Connie. And Cousin Connie's mother, who was my great-great-aunt, had purchased this house on Manor Place, right here in what they now call East Columbia Heights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She had purchased the house as a single divorced woman in 1945. Mm -hmm. So her mother was my Aunt Goldie. Aunt Goldie died in 1977, but then cousin Connie, her daughter, and my cousin stayed in the house until 2006 when she could no longer care for herself. But my husband, who you know and who helped me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. discovered so much stuff in that house Nothing, not silver and gold mm-hmm. or riches, because the house was actually kind of falling down. It was in ill repair. Mm-hmm. But from the time my cousin Connie, or actually from the time Aunt Goldie purchased that house, they never threw anything away. Mm-hmm. And in the house, really, she had she had moved a lot 
from the time she was born in Lynchburg, Virginia, 19, I'm sorry, 1899. The family moved to Boston in 1901. She got married in 1908. Then in approximately 1933, she moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And after that, she came to Washington. But every, she, in that house were things from Boston <laughs> and from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was a manuscript, actually not a manuscript, a letter that she had written. I believe it was dated 1948 when apparently Cousin Connie and her mother, my Aunt Goldie, were listening to a radio program Ripley's Believe It or Not, and someone was talking about Wilmer McLean. Mm-hmm. So Wilmer McLean is the man in whose house General Lee surrendered to General Grant at the end of Robert the Civil e. War. Yes. So, and of course the Civil War ended April 9th, 1865. Mm-hmm. But in the house, okay, so apparently they have been listening to this radio program in 1948, and they were talking about Wilmer McLean, who the historians like to say uh, the Civil War started in his front yard mm-hmm. and he ended in his backyard, mm-hmm. because in 1861, he was living in Manassas, Virginia, and that's where the Battle of First Manassas was. Mm-hmm. And then apparently, a cannonball dropped through the chimney into the kitchen. Wow. They're like, this is pretty well documented, okay? And further documentation states that the cook was in the kitchen. And Mm -hmm. I think that cook was one of my ancestors. It would have been like my third Mm great-grandmother. But then that was 1861. So Wilma McLean decided at that time, I'm getting out of here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in this area where the war is. I'm moving southwest to Appomattox. Mm -hmm. At that time, there were trains that connected even the smaller towns, and he was a sugar merchant, so to speak. So, as I understand it, my family moved with him, my ancestors, to Appomattox. So they also would have been there in 1865 when the Civil War ended. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't Wilma McLean's plan to be (laughs) there. It was kind of a coincidence Mm -hmm. that when... General Lee and General Grant were looking for a place to sign whatever agreement it was at the end of the Civil War. His house was nearby. Mm -hmm. So going back to how I learned the story, there was a letter in the house that Aunt Goldie, or I'll say a copy, facsimile of a letter, that she had written to the radio station saying something like, my daughter has encouraged me to write to you because your listeners might be interested to know that there are still people living who had roots at Appomattox. So that was the first I learned of it, too, Mm -hmm. though. I mean, it's not like a story that had really been passed down in my family. Mm -hmm. And maybe some people knew the story, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know the story. And I don't Mm -hmm. even, you know... That, that's the interesting thing about genealogy and family history. Like when you watch programs like Henry Louis Gates' mm-hmm. um, uh, Finding Your Roots, mm-hmm. and the people he's interviewing act surprised when he reveals information to them. But there was a time when people just didn't talk much about history. Mm-hmm. Some families passed down a lot of stories, but a lot of families didn't. Mm-hmm. 
you know, my, there's a couple of people. I have a cousin now that we are actively engaged in genealogy mm. research, mm. but my grandmother, she was the youngest of seven, and she didn't like to talk about anything. So mm. it was kind of hard to get stuff from her, but I was able to get other information from other relatives, luckily. Right. I had and names. One important thing is, for people of any age today, mm-hmm. and I'm going to point to you and, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, definitely talk to the ancestors. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, talk to <laughs> your ancestors. elders. You can't, well, talk to you them, can too. You with the ancestors, yeah, I, I too, I right? talk to my ancestors, yes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> my paternal grandmother, for sure, used to talk about some family stories. And I probably was a little bit interested, but I didn't realize the importance of those stories at the time that she was alive. She died in 1984. And then my paternal grandfather had been a special assistant to Marcus Garvey, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that until long after he was dead. So, you know, we wish we had talked to those people. So um, that kind of brings us into your organization. Um, Talk a little bit about the Afro-American Genealogical Society um, you're the president of the local chapter. Um, so tell us a little, share with our listeners, you know, what the organization is and, um, you know, how one can join, what do you guys do, how do you help people uh, do genealogy research? Sure. So the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society was founded, I want to say 1978. I should know that better. But among the founders was a man named James Dent Walker. Mm -hmm. He was an archivist at the National Archives. He was an African-American man, and he, among others, helped uh, Alex Haley when he was researching Roots. Mm -hmm. And he helped a whole lot of other ordinary people, too. And now that's interesting, because reading Roots is what got me interested um, in Absolutely. Research. Roots is probably one of the most important books that has been written in mm-hmm. the last hundred years, thousand years, because mm-hmm. it really inspired people of all persuasions and backgrounds to research their family history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mr. Walker, James Dent Walker, helped people access the archives and other records that are at the National Archives before we had Ancestry.com and digital I was there records. with the microfilm. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, And you had yes. to go to the sound acts. And then yes. Went, yes, that was me. Exactly. I was only five when I was doing the <laughs> research. But, you know. Right. But it, it's so much easier for us now, although people who do genealogy, we do warn people that you can't do it all online. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but anyway, back to AUGS. AUGS is the acronym for Mm -hmm. the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society. So Mr. Walker came together with a number of other local historians. By the way, his wife is still living, Mm -hmm. um, and she was the president of the D.C. chapter Mm -hmm. at one point. But there were some other people at Howard University and other scholars who came together to start the organization for the purpose of researching and documenting African-American genealogy. Now, the members 
are, I like to say, ordinary people mm-hmm. who just like to research their family history. Mm-hmm. Some have published books. Some of the members are scholars. But again, some of them are just ordinary people who want to tell their story. But in the organization, the way we help people is through national conferences, local workshops, like the local chapter meets the third Saturday of every month at the Shepherd Park Library, Mm -hmm. unless it's another special event. For instance, last year we took a group down to Montpelier, home of James Madison. Mm -hmm. The year before, on one Saturday, we went to the Harry Tubman Museum Mm -hmm. on the Eastern Shore. But we have people to come to our meetings and give presentations on such topics as using newspapers in your genealogy Mm -hmm. research. Or another topic might be Google is your friend. (laughs) And then sometimes it's a workshop like beginning genealogy because Mm -hmm. there are lots of people out here who don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And or maybe it's like using family search in your research Mm -hmm. or how to plan for a genealogy road trip because most of our ancestors were someplace else. Mm -hmm. For instance, in our chapter, or when I meet people, they say, well, do you have to be from D.C. in order to belong to the D.C. chapter? Absolutely not, because over time, everybody has migrated. Mm -hmm. I can't say everybody, but Mm -hmm. almost everybody. Or somebody in our family (laughs) migrated from someplace to someplace else. And so we're all connected, Mm -hmm. whether it's connected to another country or another state, the branches run wide and the roots run deep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, so what's the connection to the, the national chapter? Good question. So the national chapter, well, we don't have a physical office. Mm-hmm. The mailing address for the national chapter also happens to be D.C., but currently our national president is in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So the national organization holds a national conference every year in October. This coming year, it's going to take place in Hampton, and people are really excited about that because we're still kind of, how shall I say, observing Mm -hmm. and recognizing our connections to 1619, Mm -hmm. which is right there in the Hampton, Virginia area. And there are chapters all over the country, Mm -hmm. New York, um, Massachusetts, Atlanta, Arkansas. you know what, I need to look up and find out how many states have chapters. Mm-hmm. But for sure, there are you know 20 to 30 chapters. And then in the state of Virginia alone, I think there are at least four chapters. There's a Richmond chapter, there's something called the Tidewater chapter, and so on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have this organization here and mm-hmm. you know, for somebody listening who's interested in getting started in genealogical research, you know, uh, where should they begin? Can you share with our listeners some tips? Absolutely. What should they do? So, first of all, let me make note of our website. Mm -hmm. The national organization is A-A-H-G-S dot org. In other words, Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society and then dot org. And on the website, there is a link for what we call resources, mm-hmm. charts, for instance, uh, that people can use, or other websites where they can do research. 
And as I mentioned, charts, they say one of the best ways to do your research, you begin with yourself. Mm -hmm. You know you. Then you identify who your parents were. Mm -hmm. Then you identify who their parents were and who their parents were and so on. And so among my other activities, I volunteer at the National Museum of African American History and Culture at, in their family history center. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when people come there to do their research, we tell them to actually start with someone who was alive in 1940. Now, why is that? One of the main tools for genealogical research is the census. Mm -hmm. But the most recent census that is publicly available is the 1940 census. Mm -hmm. That's because of privacy issues. They wait mm -hmm. 72 years before re releasing the census. Mm -hmm. And so it's helpful, whether you're at the museum or any place else, even though I just said you begin with yourself. But mm -hmm. if you're looking for the ancestors, you would start. So someone who's like 40, it might be a grandparent. It might be a great-grandparent, if they know that information. Mm -hmm. But many people do know the name of at least one ancestor who was alive in 1940, even if they were just a baby. Mm -hmm. Because when you find that person in the census, they are usually there with their siblings and with their parents. Mm -hmm. And let's say you didn't previously know their parents mm -hmm. or what kind of work they did or where they lived you get that information in the census record, and that's how you begin to build out your tree. Does that answer your question? Mm -hmm. okay. So um, I've given, like, genealogy classes at the Martin Luther King Library. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that come up, let's say if uh, names, last mm -hmm. name, for instance. I was raised by this person, mm -hmm. and I had their name, mm -hmm. but this was not my father, or this was not my mother, um, how do you work around that? You know, because I, I carry this name, but that wasn't, you know, this person's name. Right. That's a good question. But that's one of the reasons the census and other what we call public records help, because you can see what their, the other people's names were. So let's say, for instance, you were raised by a mother and a stepfather or anybody else. And so you have the stepfather's name. But maybe you don't have your real father's name. If you're lucky, you can find your birth certificate or you can find a marriage certificate or other document that reveals some of the earlier names. Mm -hmm. And even if you can't find the ones for your parents, you can find sometimes the ones for your great-grandparents. But for, let me put in a plug, too. For the census, we're seeing a lot of information today about the 2020 census, and I'd like to encourage everybody to make sure that you record your information because you want your descendants to be able to find you. Mm -hmm. And some people don't want to be found. Some people, yeah, that's right. Some people don't want to be found. But mm -hmm. the census is such a valuable document, and it is considered a public document, as are marriage certificates, death certificates, um, marriage, birth, death, and then of course a lot of military records reveal the names of other family records. Records. So all of those records are technically at the National Archives. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can go to visit 
the site where the ancestors were. Now, you heard me say that my ancestors were in Lynchburg, Virginia. Before Lynchburg, they were in Appomattox and also in a place called Nelson County, Virginia. Mm -hmm. So the Nelson County, Virginia courthouse has wonderful records. They have some of the original marriage certificates and so and death certificates. And when I was researching to do the book, I visited the Library of Congress. Now, we love libraries, right? Mm -hmm. So, And I looked up Nelson County and actually found a book, really more than one, about the history of Nelson County. Now, I didn't actually find information about my relatives, but a lot of times people do find information about their ancestors at the local historical society mm -hmm. where the ancestors were. Or in the case where maybe ancestors were enslaved and mm -hmm. you know who that slave owner was, there might be information about that slave owner in the in whatever else has already been written. You know, we're lucky today that in almost every locale someone has written about the history mm -hmm. of the of that area mm -hmm. so we can usually find people mm -hmm. yeah and you mentioned um websites that we have access to oh, so yeah. and your web page is just full of information the national web page is full of information for anybody who is just getting started um afrogenius um i use that in my mm -hmm. pre presentation yes and that's on your website as well it's a f r i g e n e a s um, dot com and that is a really great resource for people who are just getting started. Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, and I don't know if anybody else has run into this issue, but I have unknown relatives who mm. went to Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure who they are. I know that uh, my great grandmother mm. and my grandmother's um, sister used to go to visit mm, mm -hmm. relatives in Canada. Mm -hmm. I have no idea who they are. Mm. Is Have you heard of um, anybody who's done research and was able to connect to ancestors who, have, who maybe have went to Canada? Um, and how would someone like me find out more information? So I'm going to try to answer that in two different ways. First of all, I will share that recently when I was at the museum downtown volunteering, a couple came in who lived in Canada, and mm -hmm. they were looking for information about their family, mm -hmm. some of which they already knew, mm -hmm. some they didn't. So there are clearly other Canadians um, researching, and at least one of them had ancestors, and I think still lives in the area near Windsor, Canada, mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. the river from Detroit. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. also where, and why am I going to forget his name? What's the name of the person who... Henson? Josiah, Josiah. Josiah Hinton. Thank, mm -hmm. Henson, Henson. Henson, yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he settled mm -hmm. in that area. Mm -hmm. And sometimes visiting places like that, you know, it's while that's not exactly a historical society, there are lots of books that you could find in their gift shop, mm -hmm. and they might even have a library, that you might not find down here. Mm -hmm. So to actually go to a place like that, and I realize not everybody can just jump up and drive, fly, take a train to these places... But it's worth saving your money because it also helps you understand more about where the ancestors were, mm -hmm. if you can visit that place. And then the, where Josiah Henson was, for instance, that is now a living museum. 
the whole community has mm -hmm. been recreated, um, well, maybe partially preserved, but then other parts of it have been recreated so that people can kind of understand what was going on. So the other part of that answer is this, and this is a question, maybe this was on your list, where does DNA come in with that research? That, yeah, so that. you also asked how you can discover relatives that you kind of know of but don't know for sure. So in my case, for instance, <coughs> I did have my DNA tested a few years ago, and then one day I was on Ancestry.com and I saw another person. She happened to be, I want to say, she happened to appear as white, let me say it that way. And I reached out to her and asked her if she had any idea how we were related. And I got a response back within about five minutes, and she explained that our great-grandfathers had been brothers, mm. but her great-grandfather lived as a white man, and my great-grandfather lived as a black, black man. Mm. So before the Civil War, before 1865, they were listed as free Negroes mm. in Chester County, Pennsylvania, mm. and also they were listed as mulattoes. So obviously they were kind of light. Mm -hmm. So they had choices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes when we hear about or read about people who, as we sometimes say, went over to the other side, <laughs> mm -hmm. it sounds like a kind of a clandestine evil kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I like to say that people did what they had to do mm -hmm. if they had the opportunity. So they, some of them felt that they could live a better life mm -hmm. if they went over to the other side. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I actually have relatives on... Well, that, that's on my father's side of the family. On my mother's side of the family, I discovered that there were some people who passed. And I discovered that partially through DNA, but also because of some letters that I found in that same house where I found the information about Appomattox, <laughs> the house in Washington. And they were letters that had been written by my Aunt Goldie's sister, who was still in Boston, and she was kind of closer to some of the family members than Aunt Goldie was, having moved first to Tennessee and finally to D.C. But in one of the letters, she says that so-and-so is living in such-and-such -such a place, and from the sounds of things, it sounds like they're passing. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to do some more research <laughs> in college yearbooks, uh, city directories and so on and actually identify who some of those people were and then the other thing that happened on ancestry i mean i've just had a lot of what i think are kind of interesting uh, experiences with trying to connect with people so one day on ancestry i saw where someone had quote unquote borrowed a photograph of one of my great grandmothers the ancestry lets you know when someone you know is looking at your site and borrowing things so i wrote to that person and turned out he was a person who was African-American, but he, w oh, I wrote to him to ask who he was. Was he part of my family or mm -hmm. whatever? So he said technically he was not part of the family, but he was helping someone research their family history. And that other person happened to be someone who today identifies as white. Mm -hmm. So you heard me say the other person that I had connected with on Ancestry mm -hmm. They identified as white. They were mm -hmm. raised as white. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, if you really have to apply a racial label to them, mm -hmm. they are not. Mm -hmm. 
white. That's why I say people identify. They clutched their white. pearls when they found out. Maybe. And the reason, well, one of them, the one who I heard about through the person who borrowed my great-grandmother's picture, I think she grew up knowing the story. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't talked to her. I actually do have her contact information. It was given to me. But it's just one more thing I need to do is call her up. And it's like, what am I going to say? Maybe you have a suggestion. Would I say to her, okay, what was it like to live as a white person when you knew you were really black? But then maybe, does it really make a difference? She was living her life. What is black? You know, exactly. it, it raises, you it know, raises a, a, lot of a lot of questions. And I like to say that we are all connected, you know, and I know some people don't like the idea of that connection. But just a couple of weeks ago, I met a woman who happens to be an archivist at Howard University, Moreland Spingarn Research Center. And she was raised in, I'm pretty sure it was North Carolina. I forget whether it was North or South. I think North Carolina. And she said that when she was growing up, they knew where the family had lived, the white and the black. They, they used to have picnics at the plantation down the road. And, I mean, this is a person who's maybe 40 or 50 now. Mm-hmm. But when she was growing up, they knew that history. They lived that history. They always knew the connections. But there are lots of people like that who know know those connections. I want to say maybe more in the South than in the North, but then my ancestors were in the North, and some of them knew those connections too. So so, so basically, so my question was going to, actually, I was going to ask you about DNA. So yes. you recommend, um, or you feel comfortable with uh, using your DNA and, and going to like Ancestry or 23andMe and one of those others? Yes, I feel comfortable about it. A lot of people I understand do have privacy concerns, but my thought is, our information is out here anyway. You know, mm-hmm. how often do you get a letter or an email asking you to open another bank account or get some kind of insurance office? You know, we, we really don't know how our information is shared, but we do know that our information is out there. There was a time, and it's still limited, when there were yellow pages, you know, white pages, telephone books. But that has expanded. What are those? I don't know what that is. Uh, are you serious? No, I'm joking. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but some people don't know. That's the funny thing about it. I, I threw yeah. one away just a couple of days ago. I used to keep them to look up people's, you know, if I was trying to find somebody. But now you can find folks online. So, Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we are running low on time. Uh, I do want to share with our listeners um, to check out the website that you recommended, the A-A-H-G-S dot dot org. And there, if you have listeners around the, the world, right, because Whoever, it's a podcast. Yeah. So there's a drop-down menu that includes, it lists the chapters in this country. Mm-hmm. But just so people will know, and I'm sorry I don't have that um, email address right offhand, but the people at FamilySearch.org, mm-hmm. they are currently making an effort to connect with the griots in Africa to record their stories. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, not enough of the African history is written, or at mm-hmm. least the African family history. Mm-hmm. So that'll be one more piece. And then we have members who, I want to say travel regularly back and forth to Africa. It's not like every day. But we're connected mm-hmm. throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And and also, I would like to share um, that you can access Heritage Quest, which is the library's um, free edition of Ancestry.com, 
Uh, for those who have DC Library cards, you can go to our website, dclibrary.org. You can click on the research tab, which is at the top. Um, you want to scroll down to database, and then there's a filter you can use. You can click on the filter for subject and then click on genealogy, which will give you access to local newspapers and also Heritage Quest, um, which I've used tremendously. Um, Absolutely. So that's a, a free resource. But before we wrap up, I do ask my guests five questions. They're rapid questions. You can answer them uh, quickly off the top of your head. I'll try. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are the library. We're all about books. Um, what is your favorite book? Ooh. <laughs> what is my favorite book? Well, since I have the opportunity, I'll say my favorite book right now is back there then, a historical genealogical memoir <laughs> <laughs> that my mother and I um, wrote about our family history. Okay. So I have so many favorites, but... I wish I had thought I had time to think longer about that. No, okay. that was okay. on the top of your head. <laughs> Thank so. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what historical figure would you uh, most like to interview, dead or alive? My paternal grandfather, because he was an assistant to Marcus Garvey, mm-hmm. and I would like to know firsthand what his experiences were like. He led Garvey's first expedition, so to speak, to Liberia mm-hmm. in 1921. Although at that time, he had a wife and three sons. <laughs> so it was a little crazy. And I'm saying crazy. Um, some, I sometimes hear people say that in our earlier history, people tended to stay in the same place. Mm-hmm. But some of my relatives and I, we've done a timetable for our grandfather, and he lived probably 20 different places over time. And by the way, in this case... And in so many family history cases, it's not like it's a happy story. I mean, because my grandparents did end up getting divorced. Um, I'm not saying they had a bad life, but they did divorce. But also, my grandfather ended up being government witness against Garvey Mm -hmm. because Garvey didn't pay him as he had promised for his services. And I have letters that document that. And then there are other people who researched Garvey who so I say peripherally have researched my grandfather. But I didn't know any of this when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew more about? In the world? Uh, anything. Okay, this is rapid fire question. I wish I knew more about the world. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what inspires you? Conversations like this. Um, libraries inspire me. Uh, hearing other people's stories. Now, we could say those stories are genealogical stories, but we can learn so much about how people live Mm -hmm. and what they learn. Smart people learn from others. Mm -hmm. And how would you like to be remembered? (laughs) I would like to be remembered as a person who tried to help people tell stories of their families, mm-hmm. the so-called ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Or should I okay, say more about dope. that? Okay. <laughs> um, 
um, yeah, so again, I just want to encourage our listeners to um, use our database. Uh, DC, go to dclibrary.org and uh, click on the research tab. Look for genealogy. And to begin your research today, um, especially for African Americans, it's important that we know our history, we know our ancestors, we know where we come from, and that we be able to pass this on to our children. And so we'll know, so they won't forget, you know? Absolutely. Okay. This has been an episode of DCPL's All Things Local on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Please visit dclibrary.org to learn more about the library services and programs. Talk to us online at DCPL on Twitter and at DC Public Library on Instagram. Listen and download this show wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for Full Service Radio. Thank you for listening.